Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. Hey, Wednesday, I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us. A little delayed recording today. I made the trip back up from... Jackson, Mississippi last night, Ole Miss beat Southern Miss 11-2 to in Pearl. Uh, kind of a light show today, not a whole lot to get into other than really Ole Miss, the Ole Miss game, we'll get into that. And then I noticed the NBA went absolutely nuts during the Ole Miss game last night, so that was kind of fun to follow along with. Um, and then we'll just kind of see what else comes up. Colin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so, so you stayed in Jackson last night. It was a late night. Um, it wasn't too bad. I it, the game was it was actually a pretty quick game. It was like a three hour and ten minute game, and it was six instead of six thirty. So I probably got home at eleven. But uh, my parents live. I stayed at my parents' house. They live in Ridgeland now. So like I had, I had to not only go back into Jackson, but go past some. So it was like a further drive. I'll probably get out of there at ten fifteen. So it really wasn't okay. too bad. Um. So I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. It was a pretty good night for Ole Miss. All all things considered. Um, kind of a strange game. So it was, it was two Southern Miss scores a run in the first and the second. Zach Phillips really avoids disaster in the second inning. Um, I guess you could say he avoided disaster in the first two, but they were really threatening in the second. That thing was about to go off the rails. Ole Miss manages just one hit through five innings. The sixth inning induced by some pretty inept pitching and defense from Southern Miss helps give Ole Miss five runs and the offense kind of wakes up after that and it turns into a route but it really wasn't a route for most of the game yeah I mean it was it was a game that you know it, it just kind of felt like Ole Miss's offense was going to wake up at some point and uh to their credit they did now they were aided a little bit in some southern mis- miscues and uh you know and, but Ole Miss scores 11 runs I think you know uh, 10 of them came after the start of the sixth inning so it was uh, it was kind of just they played well in kind of every facet last night. Yeah, so Jared Wright started for Southern Miss. He went three innings, and then Southern Miss brings in the dreaded soft tossing left lefty. Who had been really good for was, them? Yeah, Sam Sean Tweedy. Tweedy. So, yeah, something Tweedy. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was he was pretty good. I mean, he was obviously kind of a nibble around the plate type of guy. Like everyone wants to call like if you don't throw ninety nowadays, you're a junk baller. But the kid wasn't a junk baller. He's just a good crafty pitcher. How hard, what was his feel like? I, I, I'm sure that they had all kinds of scoreboard issues at Trustmark Park oh, okay. last night, so I couldn't tell, but it, it appeared to be mid-80s, high-80s. Okay, all right. So, it, so wasn't, like, it wasn't like soft tossing? No, I guess soft tossing is a little strong, but I mean, with Ole Miss's struggles against left-handers, I guess you get anyone under 90 is considered soft tossing, because I mean, <laughs> that's really what they see in the SEC Sure. Um, yeah. week in and week out. But anyway, so I, I guess we can start with Phillips, because he's a for a kid that leaves you wondering a whole lot that was another start that kind of leaves you wondering because he (laughs) hits the first batter in the first gives up i think a single or something after that uh the leadoff hpp comes back to bite him it it leads to a run he almost got out of the inning but a two out single from i don't even really remember from southern walner it i know i don't i think it was no it was it was was, was, was uh, blaylock it was brian bowen that's exactly who it was so he gives up a run in the first and then gives up a run in the second when things really could have gotten out of control there. It was yeah. bases loaded, one out. Um, he hit another guy and allowed two singles, I think, maybe? Sure. 
And, but then he coax, coaxes two pop-ups to get out of the inning and then keeps it at two to one. Yeah. So like, so I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, here we go again. Austin Miller, when the, when it got to first and second, like they had the two hits, Austin Miller runs down to the, or what he did, he gave up two singles and then it hit a guy. So Austin Miller runs down the pin and you're kind of thinking like, okay, like here we go again. They're not going to get any length out of a starter. Phillips kind of pretty typical start for how the year's gone for him. But then he gets two pop-ups and then just runs through the next two innings. He retired like eight or nine in a row. Eight in a row. And so he gets them. I thought, honestly, like he only goes four and two third. His line doesn't look that great. But the fact that he got them to the fifth was fairly important. Sure. Um, Mike probably would have took and taken those numbers if you'd offered them to him before the game because I'm not sure they expected him to go. You know, oh, he was pleased. He yeah, Mike was pleased with it. Look, I don't think Zach Phillips' stuff has ever been a, been a question. It's been the ability to stay in the strike zone. Um, when, when he struggles with walks and then he leaves stuff up a lot. Like his mistakes are really, really, really bad mistakes. Sure. But, I mean, when he's on, he's as good. Like he can do what he did over the third and fourth inning because it wasn't just, you know, uh, they were hitting the balls and people know he was dominating people for, for eight outs. And I think that's why Bianco has, has tried to not give up on the kid because when the stuff is right, it's, it's really good stuff. Um, and, and I think that's why I'm going forward. I don't think Ole Miss is just going to stick him on the end of the bench and forget about him. I think there's going to be some important roles for him going forward. Well, I don't think they can afford to. And I guess that's where we can kind of get into that now. Cause so afterwards, Mike really wastes no time here. Like I say, waste no time. You talk about a sense of urgency. He goes right. So in the fifth inning, they, what he allowed Phillips order allows two base runners and with Matt Walner up like tough situation there. Like, like you, you got to yank him with Miller ready. But I thought it was telling Mike went right to Miller and then to Myers after that. I mean, that's just two biggest guns in the bullpen right now, not named Parker or AC. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it was a game like, I mean, the, the, that's the thing that kind of I don't like about college baseball is that game counts just the same as, as the games this weekend, though, from an RPI perspective. And Southern Miss has a really good RPI. It was a good. It was a chance to get a really solid win, and you didn't really have much of an option besides to throw your best guys and, and win that baseball game. Because frankly, Ole Miss is running out of opportunities to collect good wins in the non-conference. I mean, you, you get Southern twice in state, so it's a it's a situation where Ole Miss needed to win a baseball game, and you can't really fault Mike for you know p- putting his best options out there to get that done. Yeah, so they intentionally walk Walner when Miller comes in the game. So his base is loaded one out, and Miller gets a pair of huge punch outs to strand him. Because that's two innings there where the game really could have gotten away from Ole Miss rather quickly, and and Southern didn't score a run either time when they had the bases loaded. Yeah, uh, I, I guess did. they did get a run in the second, but like once they loaded the bases, they didn't get anything. Right, Southern so, had opportunities to extend that lead and, and just could not take advantage of them. Yeah, and so then you get to the sixth, and that's really kind of when the game burst open for Ole Miss. So Tweedy gets her video. So Ole Miss's only hit in the game to that point was the first at-bat of the game for them, a Servideo leadoff single. So Servideo lines out, and then Tweedy proceeds to walk the bases loaded. And he had two walks on the year before before last night, and he walks three in a row, I think. Yeah, and then was was Zabowski up. Zabowski pokes one kind of off the knob. I couldn't tell if it was the end (laughs) or the knob of the bat. It was a dribbler that was too slow for a double play ball, so it ties it at two with two outs. So Ole Miss has two runs on a single hit, and then um, who was it afterward that that Graham? Oh, uh, Graham. So Graham comes up and extends the extends the inning because he hits one between first and second, and it draws uh, 
not Strickland. It's the other Hunter they Slater. have playing first. Hunter Slater. So the first baseman gets drawn off the bag, but the second baseman, Gidry, fields it. And then, so the first baseman's kind of in no man's land at that point because he thought he might have had a chance to make the play. And then there appeared to be some confusion as to whether he or Strickland, the pitcher at that point, because they pulled Tweedy, was going to cover the bag. And Slater ends up covering it, but it was kind of like very off balance. And then he, he kind of bungled the throw, I like receiving the throw. And right. so Ole Miss plates a run there to make it three to two. And then I guess to Ole Miss, I mean, at that point, at that point, they, Ole Miss they played it two a, there, didn't they? I think they played it two there because they threw it away, right? Well, they threw it away, but only one run came across because oh, okay. two came on Laposer's double coming up. So it's three to two at that point. And I guess to Ole Miss's credit, you're sitting there at that point. Is Ole Miss is up three to two, and they have one hit to show for it. <laughs> and then Laposer comes up, and, and I guess to Ole Miss's credit, you get they gave Southern gave him an extra breath, and they took full advantage of it because Laposer doubles. Off the wall to make it five two cockerel singles at six two get thrown out going to second base, but like that's really where the game turned because all of a sudden like it's six two and you're like man that really escalated escalated yeah. quickly, and then of course after that the game really just kind of got away for Southern Miss it ends up being eleven to two, um, I guess the biggest takeaways outside of that was Laposer was really good. Um, I thought he did some. De- he had a pass ball, I think, early in the game. But other than that, he did. He was pretty good defensively behind the plate. And then the kid, it, to his credit, in the limited opportunities that he's gotten this year as a hitter, he's taken advantage of them. Do you kind of almost have to force him into the lineup somewhere at this point? I don't know about force him into the lineup at this point, but I think like in terms of like, hey, when you're going to the bench, he's he's option one A one B at this point, is he not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think he has to be. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, who would who would replace him in that regard? I just kind of wonder, you know, if there's a way that you could you get him into the lineup. Obviously, Cooper is going to be the catcher. Um, I would assume. I don't assume the kid can play any other positions. You know, catchers are usually kind of fixated being a catcher. I say that Tom Stiller can play left field, but that's kind of another story. Um, and that's just why Laposter La was in the game last night. So it was a combination of reasons. Because Cooper Johnson obviously suspended for the for drawing the and line. He probably that still stands a power move. I actually don't think so. I, really? I, I'm not sure Cooper Johnson would have played. He may have played off the bench last night, but I think in a normal uh, day, Dillard would have caught. But the problem is, is they gave Olenek a day off because he was so beat up from the hip thing and everything see, else that they're down an outfielder. I, I, I get what you're saying and, and that you think Cooper uses his normal day off or whatever, but the way Mike approached that game last night from, from throwing Miller to Myers and having Caracci in the bullpen after throwing 50 pitches on sat, on Saturday, I, I just kind of think he was going to go all out to win that baseball game last night. Maybe so. That honestly would have been a good question to ask Mike. I just didn't really think about it afterward. So, be that as it may, whatever the reason, whether it was Cooper's suspension or a combination of Cooper's suspension and, and Dillard services needing in, in the yeah. outfield, because there was, I guess, to your point, like even if, like, even if Mike wanted to sit Cooper Johnson last night, he couldn't do it with Dillard because they're already down an outfielder with Olenek not being able to play. Right. Correct. So anyway, point being, he he makes so he's made the most of his changes. What well, he's seven and twenty six this year at the plate with three walks and a home run. Um, I think they knew in the fall and winter the kid could hit and had power. Just, you know, freshman catcher. I don't know what the trust level is there, but the kid's been pretty good. And, like, it's been a struggle for Ole Miss's younger hitters to crack the lineup because it is. I mean, there's so many veterans, you know, return seven and nine starters. But, you know, to he, like, I think it's fairly impressive that he and Graham have cracked into the amount of playing time they have. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and those are guys that next year are going to be, you know, probably in the middle of your order with Keenan and and uh, Servideo leading off that type of thing. So, yeah, it's it's big for Ole Miss that he's hitting so well. I just kind of wonder if if I think they're going to have to figure out a way to get him at bats, to get him some starts. I don't know who it's at the expense of, um, and how they kind of maneuver it defensively. But I think you're going to look up and. and this weekend, I think, you know, with Kentucky throwing two lefties, I'm not shocked at all if he's in the DH role and Zabowski's back at first base. Yeah, that honestly wouldn't shock me. But my thing is, is, is like, yeah, they need Cockrell, but, like, if you talk about a position for LaPoster, like, if you're going to tell me Chase Cockrell can play right field and Knox LaPoster cannot, I'm probably going to call <laughs> you a liar. <laughs> well, okay, my here's going to be my issue with that. I, I think if you – train Knox LaPoster to play right field Knox LaPoster would probably play right field better than Chase Cockrell I don't think you can throw him out there in a week and a half and tell him to go learn how to play right field and him be able to play right field like Cockrell trained all out all summer and, and all fall to be a right fielder I don't think you can throw a kid out there in a week and a half and expect him to be able to play right field at any you know type of defensive level Fair enough. So, but I guess that's kind of a decent segue because the the other big takeaway of this game is Gunnar Hoagland comes in in the eighth and he gets the last five outs and he was good in the ninth. Got a bit of good fortune in the eighth because Southern Miss was, <laughs> I, not, I guess, I mean it was what it was still six or seven to two at that point. So they were kind of threatening to get back in the game and what he comes in with. I, I forget the situation when when Hoagland came in, but he gave up a base hit that would have scored a run, out. but. The, but the kid tripped rounding third base. Yeah. Um, and so they well, caught him between second and third. And then the next line out that ended the inning, they're very lucky Anthony Servidio moved to right field because I can tell you Chase Cocker was probably not making that play. Not, yeah, they, uh, I was listening to Kellum. It, it sounded like Servidio made a heck of a play to get to that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, kind of some good fortune there in the eighth. But, you know, pitches Because that would have made night. it a game again. I mean, yeah. that's probably – that's probably set, set. I can't remember if it was six or seven at that point. I think it was – I think, I think it was so, but either way, that's seven, four, four seven, five, maybe something yeah, and, like that. And Gracie's getting loose at that point. Yeah, so that was a crucial point in the game. But then Hogan was pretty good in the ninth. Obviously, that's a bit easier when you're up eleven to two versus <laughs> seven. But I thought it was interesting. Mike said after the game, you know, if Gracie wasn't able to finish on Saturday against Florida. It was going to be Hogan. So that makes me think that. Well, I don't know how many pitches Hogan threw last night. I'm, I'm guessing he's twenty twenty ish. So he's not totally out of the mix to start Sunday against sure. Kentucky, obviously. But to me, that's a bit telling that Mike seems more than comfortable to use him out of the pen and honestly seems to like the idea of it. Yeah, and, and I just don't know what that looks like because – and Mike might disagree. He's forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. I don't really think his stuff plays as a, as a closer, that type of thing. Now, obviously, they were going to have to go to him if Crazy couldn't finish it because there was no other options, literally. Um, but I, I don't know if his stuff plays in a closer's role so much. But I think he's a guy that if, if you look up and you need to get two or three innings maybe to get it to a Myers or get it to a, a Caracy where you don't get much length on Saturday or Sunday, you know, in case he has a bad day. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that can do that for sure. I just don't know if, if, if I think his, his stuff plays up as a closer or not. I thought he could have solved some problems for them as for them as a midweek starter, and that still may end up being the case. I'm not sure, but I, yep. I think it would play well there. Phillips started last night because Southern Miss hits five left-handers. That's why the kids started the game. Um, you know, it, it was as simple as that. So if you look up and, and next week at Memphis, Gunnar Hogland's the starter. I'm not shocked at all. No, me neither, and I don't think he's totally out of the mix on Sunday either because I had somebody ask me either, I don't know, it was like email or Twitter, but they are like, 
when when Phillips started, they're like, is Hoagland hurt? And I'm like, no, because Phillips, like you said, starting five because of five lefties. And the other thing is, I've pointed out, it's like it's not like Hoagland had his job snatched from him last Sunday. Like that wasn't exactly a convincing audition from Houston <laughs> Roth, you know? Three so like pitch, no earned runs. Yeah, so he yeah, had no earned runs, four unearned, which he benefited from an error and some pretty hard contact. After that, be that as it may, like they're going, they're still TBA for a reason. I don't think Mike Kenny has it. I mean, he probably has an idea. I don't think he knows for sure at this point. Well. I'll, I'll, we'll just phrase it like this. Do you think Mike will, will hold anybody back on Friday or Saturday just to make sure he has a Sunday starter? Because I don't. I think he's going to approach that he needs to win Friday, he needs to win Saturday, and they'll look up on Sunday morning and figure out who needs to start the game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I don't think he's holding back either because, I, one, I, like you said, I don't think he can afford to. And, two, if it's not Myers like we discussed earlier in the week – the the other two guys, I mean, I guess Roth is definitely an option out of the pen. But like, aside from Roth, it's not like you're you're like feeling like like Hoagland is not coming out of the pen on Friday and Saturday out of necessity. Like he could if you needed him, but it's not like like you know what I mean. Like those aren't He's, like his first two three bullpen options. So well, I, I that, don't think he has to. That's kind of my thing. Like if if you get to Sunday and Gunnar Hoglund's been used, I'm not sure what the situation was that presented itself for him to be used. Unless you yeah, get exactly. Just, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I, I don't. Unless you just get into a, a long extra innings game where you just throw him out there and let him throw four or five innings. But or it's I'm, a it's a it's an Etheridge either ineffectiveness and a blister issue, and then whoever is after Etheridge, Myers or Miller is not good. That's probably. Do you, do you think like, Etheridge pitches this weekend? Yeah, I do. Mike said it as much last night. Okay, let me let me. Do you think Olenek plays this weekend? Because I think that one's a little bit more doubtful. Because he apparently Mike said I guess seventy percent, which seems to me not to be able to be good enough to play if you're at seventy percent. I think he's playing. I think he I, I might think play. I think he may DH though. I, I don't know if you can if the kid's not able to run at full speed. I don't know if you can put him out there in center field. Maybe, but if he hasn't done anything, I mean, it's a from. Obviously, I mean, unless it's something else, it's just, I mean, it's a fairly bad contusion. Obviously, where he got hit, like I think Ben McDonald said it on the broadcast, there isn't much meat on the no. bone there. And particularly with Olenek, there's just not much meat on the bone there. In general, so I imagine it's painful. But, like, like I guess it'll depend if he can run Thursday afternoon, Friday morning. You know what I mean? Because, like, like, I mean, you've, like, I've had, like, bad bruises and stuff before. And, like, it, it, you just don't really know till you kind of wake up and feel it after three, four, five days. Sure. Um, but you know, he was, he was not in any shape to be playing on Saturday night when, when the game was, when he, after he had gotten hit and I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, uh, Etheridge and, and, and Olenek and see if, you know, both of them play and, and play, you know, I don't want to say at maximum capacity, but if, see if, you know, Etheridge can get through a start and if Olenek's good to go for an entire weekend in center field, I guess the good news is if you needed to move Olenek to second base or something, that wouldn't be much of an issue. But if you, if you want to try to avoid him running in big bursts like that, because the kid can play anywhere on the field. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like Etheridge is pitching. Like Mike was asked what his rotation was and he said, you know, Etheridge, Oh, okay. uh, Nikhazy TBA. So like, okay. it sounds like, like I think it had been a different case if that blister last week had like burst open again, like it did initially. But like I think it just kind of reared its head again, and then they kind of took care of it with some treatment. So I, I think they're good. Kind of as far as that. If you get through this regular season, just you know we're talking in advance here. You get through this regular season, he he makes it through fine. Do you, do you consider holding him out of Hoover just to make sure that that thing doesn't pop open in Hoover and he's not able to go in a regional? Because if it pops open, he's out for a week or two. 
Uh, well, yeah, no. It, it, particularly, if they don't have much to prove in Hoover. I don't see any benefit of him pitching, even if there was no blister. I mean, yes. I, I guess if you make a run or whatever, and it gets to that point, like maybe. But like, I, I like even healthy. I'm not sure what 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 benefit he would get out of pitching well, there. They they play to win in Hoover. I, I'll, you know, that's just kind of their approach. But I just kind of think, you know, I was talking to somebody about this this morning. I just don't think it, it would. Because you don't know when that thing's going to pop up and be an issue again. I, I just kind of think if Ole Miss has done what they need to do from a hosting perspective, that uh, you kind of punt Hoover this year. Yeah, uh, that no, I, I would definitely agree with that. I just I, the teams don't like really the games that mean the most in Hoover, unless you get on some crazy run to like really improve your seating or the elimination games. Because it's usually teams that are right on the line as far as whether they're going to make the tournament or not. Aside from that, it's kind of a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Well, it mattered a little bit for Ole Miss last year because you needed to go over there and wrap up a national seed. But, oh, and, uh, and that that's what happened in sixteen. That A and M semifinal where that game went back and forth. That Ole Miss was yeah. kind of like borderline national seed, and then they lost and really got kind of screwed by just LSU being LSU and getting that last <laughs> national seed. Because what Ole Miss had the head to head, the RPI, and the SEC record. Uh, yes. And and had better top twenty five record. Yeah, it was just because they wore LSU across their chest. That but was that's, I mean that that's part of it. You see that in all yeah. sports all the time. Sure. I mean, just part of being a blue blood. So yeah, so that really kind of wraps up baseball. It'll be an interesting weekend. Really, the only other thing that's happened in the last couple of days is the NBA just went berserk last night. <laughs> Magic so, Johnson decided he didn't need his job anymore. What's wild is you had two legends playing their final home games last night in Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade, <laughs> and the Magic thing trumped all of that. Yep. Just, so, uh, I had to watch the full that full ad that apparently what was it? Did Budweiser, Budweiser. do that? Yeah, yeah apparently it was really that. good. I like Dwayne Wade. He was a great player. Like probably a little bit underrated. Um, considering like the draft class he came in into it all that, sure. but fantastic guy. And then. Dirk's probably the best European player ever, even though Charles Barkley would tell you it's Manu Ginobili, even though Manu's from Argentina. Um, <laughs> but, Love Chuck. Yes. Yeah, so Dirk's probably the greatest wait, European player ever. Wait, do, wait, you, you said we, 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 the only thing that's happened. We haven't talked since the uh, national title game. Oh, that's right. That's right. We, Jeez. I, you just... Those see what what makes me mad. I like college basketball. I'm not like a crusty like college basketball stands to where it's like, oh yeah, this defense is awesome. This is real basketball because I love the NBA too. And the, the NBA is undoubtedly a ten times better product. Sure, but it's like Zion Williamson gets eliminated. Tom Izzo gets eliminated. Everyone's like, they shouldn't even play this game because there's no stars. Like that was a hell of a basketball game. But it was a <laughs> lot of fun. As were like seventy percent of the games after the first weekend. It's just it's. It's, it's this internet Twitter age where everyone has to be like maximum entertained all the time with all the best players going at all the right times. But I mean, that was a hell of a basketball game. After the first seven minutes, I agree. Everyone, everyone they're, they're but see, now. No, no, you're exactly right. But the, the, to the seven minutes, I agree. But you have two teams that have such radical defense defensive philosophies in terms of like the pack line where you force everything to the middle and Texas tech forces everything to the baseline. Like it, there was definitely going to be a feeling out period because one, they're two of the best defensive teams in the country. And two, the way they play defense is so drastically different than like your conventional defense that like, oh, that was almost natural. Sure. But, but I guess my point was when I, when I was talking about nuance, it can, it can also be true that it was bad offense. 
like for the first seven minutes, the, the, the offense was stagnant. And there was, especially on Texas Tech's part, there was very little ball movement. There was not much, not much fluidity to the offense. Now, give them credit. After the first seven minutes, it became like the ability for those teams to score at the will at the level that they did on each other's defense was kind of amazing, to be honest. Well, well, I think it was. I think it fed into that, though. It's kind of like, okay, here's like how they're guarding this. This is how this is going. We've kind of figured it out. Like, because like like when you. It's like watching a team play Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati for the first four or five minutes of the game because they play defense so differently than most schools. It's kind of like, like the first five minutes, it's like a fish out of water. It's like, what the hell's going on here? And then you kind of settle in and everything's fine. And so I think that happens a lot when you have teams with such like drastically, I keep using the word radical. It's just because it's so different than like conventional defense. And so I think that that's part of that comes with it. But it was a great game. Um, I, Texas Tech and like, Props to Virginia. That's a hell of a story. Texas Tech got hosed by the officiating down the stretch. You think? I, I've got I've got some opinions on that. It, the, so the they're up seventy three. He trips over himself. You know that's seventy three yeah. seventy in overtime, and you're about to get the ball back with two and a half minutes. You talking about the the replay? No, no, no. The Kyle guy trip where he trips oh, over himself yeah, yeah, and they yeah, call yeah, a foul. That's seventy three seventy. Texas Tech would get the ball back up three with the basketball with two and a half minutes left and instead they just gifted them two points oh they, they texas tech was up three for some reason i was thinking they were down three you're right the game's probably might be over if you go score right there exactly that's a huge call and then i have i i there's no good solution to the to the review because no. you want to get the call right but that's against the spirit of replay because the virginia tech the excuse me virginia Defender pokes it out of bounds, but it just happened to stay on the guy's pinky for longer. Like, like to me, that's 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 not what replay should be used it, for. But there's no solution for it. Like, it you got to get it, it right. It's kind of like you know where, where we've got uh, replay in the MLB, and the, these guys pop off the base for just half a second, and the tags on them, and they're out. Yeah, that's it's exactly not, what it's similar to. Yeah, it's not. That's not why we have replay. We have replay to make sure that the ball beat the runner to the bag, and if it did, he's out. Like that's. I, I, that ball should have been given to Texas Tech, and, it, and we've got to institute some sort of rule because they missed a clear foul on that play too. We've got oh, to got hacked. Yeah, we got to institute a rule at some point to be able to say no. That's against the spirit of of the rule. The ball is going to go to uh, Texas Tech. It's different if you knock it off someone's shin. You know, it, it's different in that case. I mean, literally, but, his pinky just happened yeah. to stay on the basketball longer because one guy jabbed it and the other dude was possessing it. That's literally what it came down to. Sure. And and I don't know what that rule is, but someone's above my pay grade should, and, and they've got to institute something that, to make sure that in that situation, Texas Tech retains the basketball. Yeah, and it just – it was it's a great story for Virginia. I mean, what, they – I saw something – so the other day they were down three against Auburn with or four with like 15 seconds left, four with like 20 seconds left against Purdue, and then that game, and they won all three games. <laughs> I think they've, think they've got uh, paid back for the luck they didn't get, you know, the first few tournament runs under Bennett. Yeah, if there's such thing as a team of destiny, that was it. Because, my, I mean, between the, the, the shot against Purdue and the foul call against Auburn, like – Man, but I mean, it's a cool story. They lost to a 16 seed, like they they had to endure all of that. And then, really, the only way to justify that was make a final four, and they did one step better and won the whole thing. Kyle Guy has become one of my favorite players to watch because kid just doesn't care. 
He just he is one of the most and it's funny to watch him that offense. He's one of the most fearless offensive players probably in the country because he just doesn't mind shooting from anywhere in a Virginia offense that predicates itself on getting good looks. Kyle Guy kind of goes against everything they kind of run. Yeah, and I'm not surprised if Texas Tech is back in that. I'm not necessarily that game, but like second weekend, third weekend team. Yeah, they're gonna lose a lot though, aren't they? Losing Culver and Owens. Sure, but they lost seven contributors last year from the Elite Eight team. Fair enough. So, I don't know. If Beard stays around that program, they'll be back there again. Did any – I'm trying to think. Didn't a – oh, Mick Cronin went to UCLA. Yeah. He's a good basketball coach. I don't know what his deal is in the tournament, but that's about the best UCLA could do, in my opinion. You're not getting the elite of the elite, and he's a good basketball coach that knows what he's doing. But they're going to have to be patient with him there, I think. Like, that's not going to be like, hey, you're three. Why are we not in the Sweet 16? Like, let the man do his thing. It's so funny to think about UCLA. and Because and, when I think of UCLA, I just think of up-tempo offenses. And now they're going to hire Mick Cronin, who's going to play defense and shoot the ball with approximately four seconds left on the shot clock. They're an elite program in name only, so maybe he'll be able to restore it. <laughs> sort of like Arkansas. They did yeah, pretty job, much. That was a good hire. Yeah, I think Musselman's a good hire. So, really, other than that, like, Virginia, cool story. I, you felt for Texas Tech. Chris Beard's post-game press conference was brutal. He seems about as real a dude as they come in coaching because coaching has a lot of frauds, but he seems fairly – he seems pretty genuine. And yeah. I don't know. That's just – I mean, when, like, that was that was a hell of a game. It was a fun game. It was a great national title when everyone claimed it would suck because Zion Williamson got eliminated. Um, So – Good for college hoops, but yeah, so really other than that, you had the whole NBA stuff last night, so Magic Johnson basically just shocks everyone and resigns as president of basketball operations as a a Laker, so (laughs) I for one am stunned that the guy that that didn't want to put the time in to end up being a coach and quit that, and then the same thing with the talk show host and quit that, just all of a sudden quit. Well, it doesn't he, seem he, on brand. Look, look, look. Magic said that if he couldn't get the job done, he would resign. <laughs> Give him credit. My man resigned. That, he said that, it was a three-year plan. He's been yeah, there two well, years. Sometimes when you get LeBron and you win 34 games, the three-year plan turns into a two-year plan and you quit. Well, That's one, this isn't out. all on Magic Johnson. This is on Genie Bus too, because their construction of that whole marriage after they fired Mitch Kupchak makes no sense. They hired a former agent in Rob Palinka who has damaged reputations with half the front offices because he used to be an agent. Obviously, you're at odds with front offices most of the time. And then a guy who's never done any, who's never worked in a basketball operations department before. It made no sense. Like, yeah. you're surprised that failed? Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, you're right. And, and I think I think part of it is Magic realized that he's probably not going to get the free agents that, you know, he kind of promised and that everybody kind of expected to come to L.A. He misses out on Paul George last year. I think they're going to miss out on Kawhi Leonard this year. It's just kind of uh, – They're not getting anybody. They're not getting Anthony Davis either. There's three, four teams that have more to offer New Orleans than, than L.A. does. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's just a situation that I, I don't know where the Lakers go from here because you're stuck with LeBron. It, it kind of at some point you just kind of wonder if you trade LeBron and just start over. So from everything I've read, the, the the big overarching theme here is that for as glamorous a title as president of an NBA team as their general manager, it's a work grind. Like the oh, guys sure. that are successful, like Daryl Morey in Houston and the guy in Denver and Danny Ainge, like their work ethic and everything is just off the charts. Because, I mean, you're scouting, you're doing I mean, it's a 24-7 job. And I don't think Magic has so much else going on. I don't think he was ever fully invested in it. 
No, because it's, it's not like Michael Jordan where you're a minority owner and you can just be a figurehead and oversee stuff. Like if you're a president and you're running the show and making those day-to-day like decisions and operations, you have, there. Like, you have to be on top of it all the time. And he just wasn't. But no. the, the way it happened was bizarre. He had a three-hour meeting with Jeannie Buss earlier that day about the direction of the franchise and didn't once mention to her that he was quitting. He told her on television. <laughs> Which I kind of respect. I'm kidding. But, I mean, it's uh, just it, it was bizarre. And then he starts talking about how he's he was a, he's now a free bird and he's getting his life back. It's like, dude, no one like handcuffed you to this job, man. Like, I don't I just it, none of it made any sense. And then he says then he says it was a three year plan and I put them in a great spot going into year three. Uh huh. Like, Wait a minute. You've got an aging LeBron coming off the first significant injury of his career. You've got Lonzo Ball suing Big Baller Brand. You've got Brandon Ingram, who's got the blood clot issue. You don't know how serious it is. And you got a bunch of dudes on one-year contracts, and you're not getting any free agents. What about that says great position? Okay, who was more disingenuous? Magic last night when he said that, or Houston not when he left Ole Miss and said that the Ole Miss was not far off? Well, Magic, I guess, because Ole Miss wasn't that far off. <laughs> I guess, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's, I mean, as crazy as it was both sounded, like, man, that's disingenuous. And then just, I don't know. Like, I did, I watched the press conference after the fact, and I can't imagine watching it. Obviously, during the game, I couldn't watch it live. But, like, that's just bizarre. It's an impromptu <laughs> press conference after he had been working like a normal work day. Didn't tell anyone he was quitting. Didn't tell Jeannie Buss. Like, they met for three hours about the future of the Lakers, and at no point that he was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm quitting later. Yeah, part like, of that later future today. is going to also not include me. <laughs> just just letting you know, Jeannie. They're oh, a mess. They need, yeah, to hire someone. they need to hire someone that's like an actual basketball guy that has plenty of experience and just let him shed the whole thing. Because to your point when you're talking about trading LeBron, I'm not sure if that's necessarily, like, I don't know if that's what they'll end up doing, but, like, you gotta like. There has to be a major change in direction because you're not getting any free agents this summer. I mean, the, I just don't see there's any way that happening. Like Kawhi is probably going to the Clippers. Like all yeah. indications point, they're not getting Anthony Davis. And like, who else is going to come play with LeBron that makes any sense? Uh, nobody. So yeah, it's I mean just, Bradley Beal. I don't really see that. Yeah, I mean, and and even if he does, is he he's not Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis. Um. But, you know, it's it's just kind of a situation where the Lakers aren't any better off than before when they signed LeBron. And part They're of that a really pretty, poorly run franchise. I mean, it just kind of is what it is at this point. They're terribly yeah. run. Yeah. I mean, you give somebody that runs that organization, like, that runs Houston's, um, and it's probably the Golden State Warriors. But you don't. So it's, it's a situation where you're probably going to be out of the playoffs for at least another two or three years before you try to rebuild this. See, but that's the weird part to me. Like, with all those young guys back and LeBron James back, like, as constructed, that's probably a playoff team next year. Because people forget they were pretty good when they were all healthy. But that's a team that's never winning a playoff series or going anything beyond that. Like, that's the ceiling. So, like, I think as constructed, they're probably a playoff team next year if they don't have any injuries. But they're not winning. Like, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, but you say that, but they're always injured. And LeBron's not getting any younger. So it's it's well, sure if they're all healthy, then, then it's a playoff team. But I don't. There's not much proof that this team can stay healthy either. No, that's that's definitely true because you don't really know what you have with Ingram. Like that deal could be serious. Lonzo Ball is. I mean, he's only been in the league two years, but he's had enough minor stuff to where he can be labeled fairly as injury prone. Sure. And then the 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 whole 
all those one-year contracts, like, you're not bringing Lance Stevenson back. You're not bringing Rondo back. Like, that whole <laughs> thing made no sense. They had no plan after signing LeBron when they whiffed on Paul George and Kawhi. So they just signed a bunch of random dudes and tried to, like, tried to, like, spin it off as, like, a toughness strategy when really it was just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> I mean, those, those, those one-year contracts made no sense. What is Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson and Contavious Caldwell Pope going to do for you? Well, Caldwell Pope had been there. It was his second year, but yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's an organization that's in chaos, which is funny because it has probably either the first or second, I'm going to get into that debate, the first or second uh, best player in NBA history on its roster, and it's not going to work like at and all. They punt on DeAndre Russell, and now he's an all-star on a playoff team in the East. <laughs> it's almost like it wasn't DeAngelo's fault that he wasn't good in L.A. Yeah, and then like, well, Magic said something about that last night. He like went, he like praised D'Angelo Russell and was like, but he wasn't that mature when he was here. He was like, well, yeah, he was twenty. Like, <laughs> you're more mature at twenty than you are at twenty three. Like, stunning, or twenty three <laughs> than you are. Like, I just that whole thing was strange. That whole thing was very bizarre. But yeah, the NBA yeah. playoffs start this Saturday. There's, it's going to be awesome. The NHL playoffs start tonight, I believe. Oh yeah, I think they do. I don't know anything about hockey, but we probably need to grab. Here, I'm going to pull it up. We need to latch on to a team. Okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. Get, get me get me like a three seed. So, uh, from basically what I've gathered, seeding doesn't mean jack in NHL. Okay. So, okay. I, NHL, I refuse to support anyone from Boston. That's a requirement. Are the Boston team in the playoff? The Bruins? Yes. Yes. I am not rooting for that team. Okay. Let's see. So... In the Western Conference. Yeah, all right, name me the playoff series in the Western Conference. Um, I don't understand the setup. <laughs> so, okay, I'm just going to go through. I don't know which I, – I know which teams are in which conference generally, but, like, I don't understand what they're doing here. So, okay. you have the Preds and the Dallas Stars. Okay, no. Winnipeg Jets versus St. Louis Blues. No. Maybe – no, I'm not rooting for a Canadian team. Calgary Flames versus the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, I'm listening to the Avalanche. Uh, Golden Knights in San Jose. Nah. Um, the Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus might be the ticket. They're an interesting team. They've never won a playoff series, but they have like a sneaky good fan base, and they've been like kind of good for a while. Okay, all right, all right. We've got the Avalanche and Columbus. All right. Ooh, Bruin. I know we're not rooting for it, but the Bruins Maple Leafs as a first round series is kind of badass. Like that's like two like the original five fran- like that's true. Like yeah. that's like Lakers Celtics essentially in the first round. That's kind of cool. Um Capitals and Carolina Hurricanes. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say no one associated with the American Alliance of Football is rooting for the Hurricanes. Um <laughs> And then you have the Islanders and the Penguins. So my leaders in the clubhouse is I grew up going to Preds games because my grandparents are like from Nashville. And we like that was kind of like what we did is we'd always go to hockey games when we were uh-huh. little. So I'm always going to root for them, but I need another team because that doesn't really count because I always could kind of like the Preds. I'm torn between the Islanders and the Blue Jackets. So I'm going to pick the Islanders. So I'm going to hop on their bandwagon. All right. Well, I, w- I will be uh, the, the resident Columbus Blue Jacket fan. When do we okay, play? So uh, looks like our two teams may not meet potentially until the Stanley Cup. No, 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 no. So but, I'll but, see but you when in does hell, Columbus friend. play? 
Um, <laughs> so let's see. Columbus plays oh tonight at six. All right. Wanted, maybe we're on the TV. Let's see. Hold on. Do I play tonight too? Yes, I play tonight at six thirty. So you play at six thirty. Let's hold on just a second. We'll get us a TV schedule here. Yeah. So NBC Sports Network is what we're on. Uh, the the Islanders that is, and it World appears USA. Okay, so both games tonight. Big big. Oh wow. Yeah, we so. are a uh, we're a plus two hundred underdog tonight. So we we've got our work cut out for us down there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, you're on the road, and I, I think the Lightning are are pretty good. They have a one seed next to their name. Uh, no, so you didn't the, mention that part. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think that's the one eight maybe, which. Is, <laughs> oh, okay. Super. So now I know. I see what these numbers mean. So the Preds are the one seed in the West, the Lightning one seed in the East, and they each got the two crappiest wild card teams. So the Preds got the Stars and. The Blue Jackets got the uh, the second the card, got the Blue Jackets. Yeah, Lightning got the Blue Jackets. So, uh, yeah, we got that. We could potentially if upsets barring like if you upset the Lightning, we could potentially meet in the conference finals. So All Islanders right. versus uh, Jackets. All right, uh, I'm digging this. <laughs> we, we should adopt a Premier League team while we're at it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but. Sure, man. If if you say so, I, I'm going to watch hockey tonight. I'm, I'm actually going to watch. Oh, 100 am too. Like I don't like I joke about it. I don't know much about hockey, but playoff hockey, like just watching, is awesome. You don't have it's to like, know much about it's it. It's like it's like just everybody's on crack. Yeah, and like they're they're beating the hell out of each other, and then like occasionally you'll get a guy try to hit another guy with the stick. In addition to bashing his head into the glass, like it's great stuff. And <laughs> like and like the everything like. Like, there's only, like, two, three goals a game sometimes in those playoff games that get real tight, but, like, the crowd is hanging on every single pass, which is just wild. Like, it's like a like, it's like a powder keg just waiting to be lit the entire time. It's it's awesome. I'm actually looking forward to that now. I didn't realize that started tonight. Just some just some quick MLB stuff. Do you buy into this disbelief that's kind of going around that the ball is juiced? The offense is way up for teams just kind of statistically throughout the league right now. Oh, actually, I kind of do. Do you know why? Because I watched on Sunday, and I watched Derek Dietrich of the Reds hit two hit balls in into the river. the river in Pittsburgh. He hit two. His second one in the in the eighth inning went into the river, too. And, like, the first one, he kind of, like, poked off the end of the bat, it seemed like. Like, Archer went down and away, and he went and got it. And, like, that thing just kept going and going. So, I don't know. Like, Altuve hit one over the train tracks off Tanaka the other night when I was watching. Like, yeah. I know these guys can hit, but like mm. <laughs> something's up. Because something you look up. at it, Aaron Nola's broke right now. Corey Kluber is broke. Um, I'm trying to think who else is broke. It, it, Nola and Kluber are the biggest ones that are kind of broke right now. Degrom got shell. Sale, Sale hasn't been Sale's good. broke. I mean, it it's just kind of weird because you you had a. I, I mean, maybe it's just kind of a reverse thing, but you had a league last year was just pitching dominant this year so far, and it's a small sample size, but it's kind of offensive heavy right now. Yeah, and balls are like not just getting out of ball. like and no. like you're seeing like I've watched probably fifteen to twenty just random MLB games this year already so far, and you're just kind of seeing balls that just kind of keep going and going like something's. I don't know if it's like. Like, I don't necessarily know what entails, like, as far as, like, juiced, but, like, something seems to be different. Yeah. And, well, the ball was, was obviously juiced in the 2017 World Series, um, especially in uh, Dodgers-Astros. Yeah. yeah. That ball was juiced. Um, 
That but, game five was just kind of it was like beer league softball. Look, I, I, it was I, fun. The, I loved every second of it. Like I'm not hating I on did it, not, but man, I did not. As someone that has a Clayton Kershaw jersey on right now, I did not like that. Um, but in saying that, I mean, I get, I kind of get where if if it is juiced, I kind of get where the MLB is going. I mean, they're struggling for ratings, and people don't, you know, I kind of do t- tune in to watch a two to one game, but most p- casual viewers don't tune in to watch Degrom go seven and two thirds and strike out fifteen and give up one hit and one earned run. Chicks love the dingers. <laughs> the long ball, as the kids say. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Something's up. There's probably going to be something. Like Jeff Passan is probably going to break the story a month later and be like, "Oh, they raised the seams a quarter of an inch or something." I don't know, <laughs> but something is something is definitely up. I believe. So that's about all I got for today. Kind of a short show, but not a ton going on. We'll be back Friday with. Um, we can do some NBA playoff previews Friday. We'll react to our new hockey teams winning or losing. And then, obviously, you've got Ole Miss Kentucky. So, unless you got anything else. Oh, wait. It's Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a clown? <sighs> I'm trying to think. I think I might had one earlier. Did, did, did some golfer do something stupid before the Masters? Do we do we get one of one of those situations? No, you're usually good for one of those, but nothing so far. Like Patrick, Patrick Reed didn't do anything. Well, he hosted the champions dinner, but he actually put together a pretty decent menu and was like semi well behaved, from what I understand. Oh, like I thought he was going to serve like beef jerky and Red Bull or something cool, but <laughs> Who, apparently he had a Masters? pretty good menu. Um, it's so hard to tell. Like uh, as far as like value picks and like like I was looking at some of the odds earlier today, just because like I kind of always am interested in what like Vegas thinks are the favorite because the favorite never actually wins the Masters. No, for like I, I like Paul Casey a lot because he's driving the ball really accurately and he's had a lot of he's had a lot of good starts as far as like worldwide in the last couple of bit in the last little bit. So I'm uh, I'm uh, I kind of like him. I don't know. Have you uh, have you bet on anyone yet? <laughs> I'm not going to, but um, uh, no, I, I look, man, my golf knowledge is so limited. I will probably tune in on Sunday and watch the back nine, um, unless so. I mean, Tiger's in it, right? Like, like that's my knowledge. Is, is it, Tiger is in it. Yes, he is definitely, okay. definitely in the Masters. Okay. I will, I will watch Tiger some. Um, other than that, you know, I, I'm not a uh, golf aficionado, so I don't, I don't really know who is the favorite right now. Do you know? Uh, Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite. He's plus set five seventy five, and everyone else is plus nine hundred as the closest. Tiger Woods is plus fourteen hundred. I mean, and that's probably down because everybody's going to bet on Tiger. Yeah, and Kepka, like Brooks Kepka, is always there in majors. So is I mean, Jordan Spieth has played in four Masters, and he's gone tied for eleventh. Win, win, second, second. What uh? What is DJ's odds? Because I if I have a golf if I'm a golf fan, plus nine hundred, he's the second. Like he's okay. he's behind Rory. Um, I actually think if if it rains a bunch at Augusta this weekend, DJ's probably the ticket because he hits the ball so far, um, that he'll just be able to pick that course apart. Because basically, like explaining in layman's terms, when the, when the golf course is wet, like the ball doesn't roll as far, so it's like like you, it's easier to control it. Like when you're trying to like bomb it like cut a corner or something like that, like the ball's less likely to go off the grid and the right. golf course definitely plays longer. So I would bet on DJ if it rains a bunch. Have you gone to a uh, master's practice round or anything? No, I've never been. I'd like to go to Augusta once or twice. I think it's a cool place. And like, it's like golf's got like, like obviously the mystique of it, but honestly, like I don't get as like, like I don't like salivate over like every, like most golf people right. do. Like we were talking about this on the show yesterday and they were all like, 
man, like I'd pay this to go to a Masters or whatever. I'm like, you could go to a U.S. Open this summer at Pebble Beach for like a third of the price. And like to me, that has every bit as much mystique as like Augusta National. But like I am definitely in the minority on that. People like like if there's such thing as like heaven on earth as far as golf, like that's how they treat Augusta National. I think it's a cool place. It's beautiful. It's very hilly. I like the tradition, but like I, I don't salivate over it like most golf people do. Okay, fair enough. Fair I like enough. the I like watching the U.S. Open and the British better than the Masters. British starts at like three a.m. in the morning, so I am kind of a fan of that. That and it's a different style of golf. Like those guys are asked to do things that they're not asked to do the other, you know, three hundred and sixty-one days of the year because you're playing and win. The course is yep. really fast and all those bunkers and everything. Like it's like seeing professional golfers like do things they're not normally asked to do, and that's kind of why I like the U.S. Open too because like. Not only are they doing stuff they're asked, like U.S. Open just tries to beat the hell out of them for five days. Like they play the course so hard. And like seeing pros make doubles and triple bogeys is just something like it's definitely relatable. <laughs> you say you, you've shot a few triple bogeys in your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like it's more relatable to the weekend warrior. Like seeing Justin Rose or whatever struggle to shoot one over to win the U.S. Open like for the week is just something like seeing guys humbled like that is is, is always fun. <laughs> Sure enough, sure enough. Master start what's tomorrow morning? Yeah, tomorrow morning. I think they they usually have like Jack Nicholas or Arnold Palmer. Or, I guess not Arnold Palmer. R.I.P. Uh, I meant to say Gary Player um, to like, hit the ceremonial first tee shot like seven o'clock in the morning, and then they're up and at them. So we'll talk. About, I guess we'll talk some first round Masters reaction on Friday, sure. but we'll be back at it with that, some NBA, and then obviously Ole Miss, Kentucky. So for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey. We will see y'all Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.